0: This podcast is brought to you by the Dunfield Retirement Residence, a casually elegant retirement community located at Young and Eglinton in the heart of Midtown Toronto. Customized living options complement your independent, active lifestyle. Learn more at thedunfield.com. Shalom and welcome to Rivkush, the CJN podcast celebrating Jews of color, talking about all things Jewish and anything else we wish to speak about. Hello, it is my pleasure to introduce my guest today. Her name is Devyani Saltzman, she is a Canadian writer, curator, an arts leader with an in-depth practice in multidisciplinary programming at the intersection of arts, ideas, and social justice. She was most recently the Director of Public Programming at the Art Gallery of Ontario. She was the Director of Literary Arts at the Banff Centre for Arts and Creativity, as well as the Founding Curator at Luminato. She is the author of Shooting Water, which the New York Times called a poignant memoir. Her work has appeared in The Globe and Mail, The Atlantic, Room Magazine, and Tahleika, India's weekly for arts and investigative journalism. She is the vice chair of the Writers' Trust of Canada, a member of the Board of Directors of Toronto Arts Council, the Ontario Association of Art Galleries, SummerWorks Performance Festival, and Nova Dance. Saltzman has a Master's in Anthropology and Sociology and is currently working on her second book of nonfiction. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And off the top, please correct my pronunciation of India's weekly <laughs>
1: Nice to be here, Ruka, and it's Tehelka.
0: Tehelka. Thank you very much. Not at all. Oh my goodness. So tell me this. I want to know about you. So tell me a little bit about your background growing up as a Hindu. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Love it. Because right now we have a Jamaican and a Hindu. Like super cool. So so tell me more about yeah. you.
1: Oh, man. Um, you know, it's like the topic I find the least interesting, but hopefully someone <laughs> might relate to it or find it interesting. Uh, yeah, a Hindu. I um I'm an arts worker. I'm in my 40s. I grew up in Toronto. I was born in Toronto um, to my mom who immigrated from the Punjab in the early 70s and a Jewish father who grew up in and around Downsview in the 1950s. So my grandparents on my father's side had come from Russia escaping the pogroms uh, my, on my grandmother's side in the 30s and wow. uh, settled first in Montreal and then Toronto and on my Zeta side, they had come a generation earlier and worked a dry goods store in Saskatchewan as the only Jewish family in Newdorf, Saskatchewan. So I come from a, a Jewish dad and a Punjabi Hindu mother, and I guess that makes me a Hindu. Wow, that is super cool. So let's dig a
0: little deeper into that because, you know, I know you do work on intersectionality. And so, so tell me, what was it like being you growing up because we know that as much as we like to say our Jewish community is so diverse, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Sometimes it's a challenge. Sometimes it's okay. So um, give me a sense of
1: yeah, that. it's interesting because I feel like a bit of maybe an outlier. I mean, not, not in terms of your other your interviews, but in terms of the Jewish community, because my, I, my parents really raised me not in the Indian community and not in the Jewish community. I kind of grew up in downtown Toronto um, and went to but- Oakwood Collegiate Institute, uh, public high school um, never really went to temple, either temple Jewish or Hindu. So I was kind of raised culturally Jewish and Hindu celebrating Diwali and Passover. But my, my my father's family were, um, were kind of atheists and communists coming from Russia. So I feel like I only kind of started to identify, um, or, or kind of interface with the more, um, more specifically the Jewish community when I was a little bit older. And I identify as a Jew of color and really found my community in a group of Jews of color who formed in the last few years, um, Kendall Pinkney and Saria Kobe uh, from uh, No Silence on Race. And we started a a kind of national or international gathering of Jews of color called PRISM um, that was run by Evelyn Tobin and Fenster Gallery as a gathering space over the pandemic. And that's when I really felt like, oh, this is my community. So, Deviane, I'm quite familiar with No
0: Silence on Race because I do remember when it started. And I had some conversations um, with Sarah around that because, as you can recall, that time was quite um, explosive given. Events that were happening globally, like George Floyd, and and that really I think shook it shook the world. It shook the Jewish community, which I found um, eye opening, and. Um, and I, and I'm very familiar. I love Kendall, by the way. <laughs> I, he's one of my, he's one of my favorite people in the world. I've tried to convince him to come to Canada and be a rabbi up here, but, uh. <laughs> <Me as well. laughs> but, um, so how were you, how were, what were your thoughts and, and what was going on in with you during all of that turmoil, and what led you to participate in those initiatives?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think like uh, as as many, uh, such a long overdue reckoning, uh, I was working in culture, I, I mean, I still work in culture, but I was working in culture at the AGO at the time as Director of Public Programming. Obviously, it raised many questions um, within the museum in terms of response, in terms of how to how to really serve communities and specifically you know center black excellence and and you know get away from hierarchies of white supremacy Um, it was very emotional but i think also super exciting to see organizations begin to respond and initiatives like sarah's and no silence on race and that collective Um, i just was trying to be the best ally i could within my position and uh, be involved in partnerships that were hopefully about dismantling oppressive systems and finding new ways of being. Um, I think two years later, there's been a lot of movement, but there's also been a lot of retrenchment and backlash. So um, that's something I'm thinking a lot about. And uh, as I mentioned, it was Evelyn Tobin and Fenster in partnership with No Silence that started PRISM. And I guess I started to look at what are alternate communities that we can be a part of that are safer spaces, more equitable as. In this case, I'm a, a, a person of color and with with white passing privilege. But it was really great to meet Kendall and Sarah and others and try to form new spaces. Awesome. You said something that caught me also,
0: backlash. So can you elaborate on that a bit more for me? Like, like describe what that backlash mm-hmm. is?
1: I mean, I'm I'm working on a book right now around around culture and change especially in our public spaces and institutional spaces and what leadership for people of color is like Um, and I mean the trend I'm seeing is there was such a rush to um, recruit people of color onto boards and in leadership and and yet a lot of these systems haven't historically been supportive of those people and there isn't necessarily the scaffolding internally to ensure that spaces can can provide runway um, whether it's for audiences or leaders. And I think, you know, we've seen a whole rush of, of, of hires, but also firings in the last uh, two years of people of color from positions of power. So I guess what I'm saying is there was this rush to change the system. And then also uh, when people are vested in their, when, when, when whiteness is vested in itself, mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't want to let go. So I think we're seeing the tension of that in this moment. And I hope it, it tips forward. But um, I think it's quite fraught right now. To be honest. I have to thank you for saying that.
0: Because from where I sit, I, I, I am a Jewish professional. And I know when I've had conversations with people around what you described as the rush, you know, it's like, let's get a Jew of color to sit on this and sit on that without the support. And without understanding, you haven't actually changed your mindset. You're just putting somebody in a position and you have to, you have to, you know, just to say, look, we've done it and there's no support and, and there's no mentorship proper Jew of color, even Jew of color to Jew of color mentorship. And, and I've been trying to, I've been trying to articulate it to myself, you know, like, what is it? And, and hearing you voice it really, solidifies that I don't even know that feeling I've had especially in the last little while I mean the last couple of years that feeling that it's, it's something is still not right in fact I feel that it in some ways it's almost worse.
1: I'm glad it resonates uh it's only what I've observed as kind of a writer and a reader and an arts worker in this space but um, yeah, I think I think it's real. Mm-hmm. I think it's real, and I don't even know what the name for it is. But maybe this is the nature of change in terms of stepping forward and two steps mm-hmm. back. But in some ways, yeah, I think we're we're in flux, and it's not actually necessarily better. I don't think replacing people with people of color in power in and of itself is enough. I think we have to look at the system. Hundred uh, percent. Yeah, hundred percent. So your
0: your the opposite of me in that you are quite artistic <laughs> and you know and, and i love that i'm always have this secret envy of those who are, are artistic and and write, and, and, and i just love it um you'd come to it honestly because both your parents are directors so it's like it's almost your dna yes <laughs> the arts and cultures in your dna
1: I I guess so. I spent many years trying to, like, escape that (laughs) and uh, study biology and genetics and be a scientist to run as far away, but I guess my DNA literally caught up with me. (laughs) So tell me a little
0: bit about what, you know what I would like to know about? What is NovaDance?
1: Oh, I mean, that is an organization I feel privileged to be a part of in a governance capacity, and um, I guess, Rivka, when we were talking about, you know, how do we have impact in this moment of change I, I felt like after after you know george floyd and 2020 and organizations kind of in crisis or I, I thought maybe board work would be a way to help um in a more effective way so i felt honored to be part of nova dance which is a south asian toronto based dance company but contemporary so working with bharatnatyam and orissi dance under artistic director nova batacharya and um, this organization feels really like it's run in a non hierarchical, collective human way, and that's why I love being a part it of it.
0: Sounds absolutely wonderful. Uh, so your your South Asian
1: culture,
0: it seems you're quite steeped in it.
1: I I am. I I know it sounds funny. I don't even like think. I don't even think of myself sometimes as South Asian or Jewish. I just feel like. My myself. But yes, of course, I, I spoke Hindi before English. My grandmother and extended family live in New Delhi. Um, so I am. It's definitely a huge part of me.
0: Okay, awesome. So what currently you, now the shooting water, the shooting water, tell us about your book shooting water.
1: I, it's um, To me, it's like an old thing I wrote a bunch of years ago, but it was a memoir. I'm happy to answer your <laughs> question. It, it's a memoir about growing up biracial and growing up uh, in a family of film. Uh, my mom was working on a film in India that was shut down for political reasons. And I, I was there with her and witnessed this. So it's about politics and cinema mm-hmm. and our reconnecting as a, a mother and daughter. So it was my... I guess, my first artistic work before I started more into arts administration. Um, But I'm proud of it.
0: Yeah. So, you know, even though you you prefaced it by saying it was old, I mean, I think it's still probably quite relevant. It's your memoir. It's your memoir. It's a piece of who you are. So, yeah. So that will never get old. Um, So what are you currently working on now? You're doing another book. Are you able to divulge?
1: Yeah. And I kind of just mentioned it briefly, but because of everything you're discussing and what we're seeing, I really wanted to try to map these trends in terms of culture, but also organizations across sectors around uh, people of color and leadership. So it is a nonfiction book that is um, about about this moment of social change. So it's it's about how are we recruiting people of color into institutions that have colonial legacies? What is working what isn't what are the new models for how we work together going forward that aren't about trying to change from within because i think i spent 15 years in large organizations and change can happen from within them but often often things kind of also slide back so i'm i'm curious about how do we create sustainable positive change for people of color in organizations that sounds potentially really boring This is non-fiction <laughs> <No. dark. laughs>
0: Absolutely not. But okay, so what, when I think of the arts, the world of arts and culture, and this is probably my naive view of it on the outside looking in. And I know years gone by, there was not a lot of diversity, you know, and people had to create, for example, dance schools that, that cater to people of color and, and troops because they weren't accepted as principal dancers in other um, troops, if I'm Making any sense, right? Yeah. So, but when I think about arts and culture today, I think, oh, it's very diverse and it should be quite progressive, and and I think of all those things. Am I off the mark? I mean, I I
1: feel I am because it sounds like work needs to be done. So, I think culture is also in its reckoning, and I think the irony is, and it was the irony for me as well, is we assume our cultural spaces are you know, maybe from the outside by their nature progressive, but they are also systems that are entrenched in, in, in older ways of being. So yes, there's definitely a lot of diversity in culture and um, and in terms of programming, I think often even before um, before people who who's actually employed in power. So I think programming and who's on the stage or what is being heard can often fear, feel almost more progressive than who's actually running the institution. And um, so yes, there's progression, but there's also, um, there's also boards and senior leadership teams that aren't as diverse as they should be in the 21st century. And I think that's what is beginning to change right now, or at least the process we're, we're in. Yes, it does. It
0: makes sense. So what are your suggestions for, um, boards and people in power who are not people of color and what sort of suggestions would you, how would you help them get to where they ought to be? And, Mm. you know, some concrete ways that you think will push that forward? Mm.
1: Well, firstly, um, I want to help, but I also don't know if I want to help because I'm also arguing there might be new systems. But for those that exist, I mean, I think I think we both know the answer to this. It's it's getting away from from tokenism mm-hmm. and actually getting to critical mass in terms of uh, people, d- diverse people on boards and in senior leadership. So the weight of it is not on one sole change maker of mm-hmm. color. Within an existing institution, so I mean, Ocadu did cluster hiring around their Indigenous faculty and their Black faculty, so that there were critical mass of, of folks. Okay. Um, it's it's about uh, getting away from you know power residing in one CEO that then trickles down and and towards flatter systems right. as opposed to pyramid structures. I think there's been a lot written about that, um, especially in tech and in the innovation space. That can then be applied to culture. And I also think it's about who asking yourself, who is your audience and who do you serve? Mm-hmm. And is the work you're doing really meaningful to community? Are they able to access it in terms of ticket prices, in terms of barriers to access? So I guess what I'm writing about is, is more, um, these are ways to help organizations be truly equitable. But I also think there's models we don't even, I think, I think there's an argument for people starting their own spaces and not trying to change things that already exist. And that's um, that's like Band, Black Artists Network and Dialogue, right. which is an art space run by Karen Carter and others in Toronto. It's about spaces like Nova Dance, which is its own company rooted in South Asianness. So I'm actually not necessarily arguing that we that things can be changed fully. I think it's a combination of of that and new spaces and new ways of being.
0: That's interesting because it is something that I that sometimes bantered about among Jews of color because we struggle in Jewish spaces sometimes and we struggle when it t- comes time to going to synagogue. And there's sometimes a conversation around, well, maybe we should have our own space and maybe we should have our own synagogue and synagogues, Ooh. plural. And I'm and I'm not. I personally struggle with that. And because I'm not sure. I'm I'm just not sure because a part of me says that would be great because there is something inherently safe about being around people who are like and understand and just, just, just get it. But then I'm, Part of me is like, but why should I step away
1: from where I should belong? Because, yeah, do you see what I'm saying? (laughs) No, I think, but I think the key word, and it's actually the opening chapter in this new book, is about belonging. We want to belong to to a common narrative or the spaces we exist in. And personally, that's why I first went into kind of really long established arts institutions, is I wanted to see myself reflected there as someone who historically hadn't been. And, and yet, when you're on in the inside, are you comfortable? Are these the spaces to change? Yes and no. So I'm like you. I'm asking these questions of myself. Mm-hmm. I still think there's a great argument to belong to the temple you just described or the cultural space you've long followed that's, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but I think that's what we're all thinking about, no? Yeah, yeah. And it really is. Sometimes, it, believe it or not, sometimes
0: it keeps me up. Because it peaks and value peaks and valleys these conversations. So sometimes I really sit there and I think, why am I doing this? Like, why am I struggling in these spaces that are barely welcoming? And I feel like I'm yep. forcing them to be welcoming. <laughs>
1: you know. What I mean? And, and, and it's not a different thing, whether it's kind of in, in, in the religious community as it is in any community. And that could be someone working in, in the corporate world or someone working in culture. I think we're all navigating belonging. Right,
0: right, right. So you have a podcast. <laughs> and yes. in your podcast called The Culture Shift, you have dialogue with
1: intersectional artists. What led you there? I, um, I think what led me there was my own journey of kind of 15 years in institutional spaces and wanting to understand how artists and arts leaders of color um, were navigating this moment of change. So I, it was actually a very kind invitation from Chris Abraham, the artistic director of Crow's Theater, uh, and he commissioned nine episodes. And I pitched him this because I think it's it was part of my research for the book, but it was also just trying to get a temperature check on what other folks of color in the arts were feeling mm. in this moment. So that's what led me. And,
0: and tell and le- what were they feeling? Was there anything that really surprised you, either way? Like that was just like wow, I never thought of that,
1: or or I'm just thinking back through my whole the list, like the list of people I spoke to. Because there's
0: some, while you're thinking, yeah. <laughs> there are some things that I think, oh, of course, this must be the case. And then it's like, oh, it's not. So did you have any of those aha moments?
1: I, I, think, I think what's really, you know, I think, I think what really, without being repetitive, uh, the things we've all discussed were trends that were identified by them navigating the same different spaces. Um, I think the thing that, that kind of resonated was so much depends on who you're working with. And your direct boss, or your so so, we can say these trends exist across many cultural spaces or corporate spaces, but also everything seems to be very much also relationship driven, and that was interesting to me. So some interviewees were struggling with navigating uh, navigating their organization, others had a really wonderful boss and were insulated by that relationship. So that was interesting. I know that's not groundbreaking, but that's that's one thing I gleaned.
0: No, that that actually is because I. I just like you I think it it is interesting in that sometimes we do forget that it actually can be and or is about relationships. Yeah. Um, absolutely. It's yeah, because I'm even thinking back on various bosses that I've had and my level of comfort, and it is basically about the relationship that I've built with that person where there's a kind of safety
1: and maybe that's part of what we you know maybe that's part of this longer game here and it's definitely something that's out there in conversations is how do we get away from at least in culture the corporatization of our workspaces and actually remember that so much is based on relationships and respect and 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 our models right now are built on 19th century models of productivity coming out of England in the industrial revolution right. and efficiency And at at least in the arts, like we're talking about creativity Mm -hmm. and inspiration and relationships. Maybe we need to actually add a bit of that into how our our structures work.
0: Right.
1: I'm going to jump back
0: a bit because I (laughs) because I want to talk about your connection with no silence and race on race and prism. So, mm-hmm. what is what I don't want to just say, what is your role, but what
1: is but what is your role? Like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, my, my role was I was invited by, as a, as a yes, Russian Fenster, Evelyn, and uh, No Sounds on Race to be on the I guess we were the art advisory committee or the artistic Com- committee of Prism with Kendall. Carmel Tanaka who's an amazing arts leader. Out of BC. Out of Vancouver. Out of BC. And we became kind of we were kind of the um, working group to set up the first prism gathering and then the second prism gathering. So I was a volunteer working with them to create a space for an online space for Jews of color during the pandemic.
0: Okay and we'll we continue with that sort of thing. Can you branch it out to us non-artist
1: types? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. It's true. It was kind of through the lens of culture. Also, you're a broadcaster. You are totally. An and I don't, and
0: it's funny. I don't
1: see it like that. <laughs> I just, you know, I see it as conversation, but okay. <laughs> yeah. I think conversation is an art. I feel like, I, I, I think you're definitely part of that. Um, Yes, it was kind of based in arts and arts workers, but Maybe it should be broader. At the moment, because we were all volunteer based and have different projects, there hasn't been a third prism, but it's definitely still alive and probably will have a third version and maybe it should be expanded to be for all Jews of color despite their, their working. Right. Background.
0: And you said it was it was Zoom. What about yes. live?
1: also have been speaking about that as, as kind of restrictions ease and people emerge into the world. So uh, I think that would be also a fundraising question on our part, but are are there a lot of other spaces like this, Rivka, from your perspective? No, not,
0: not, not Canadian, not Canadian. There are, there are initiatives all over the United States for wonderful safe spaces for Jews of color and, 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 programming and gatherings and in the united states in canada not so much
1: oh that's very good to like that's very good to know because if we can fill that niche we should continue to build upon it and i'd love to talk to you more. yeah because i think we are hungry for that and i'm so
0: afraid that if we don't start doing more of that we will become even more and more distant from each other And well, and I think we could be such a powerful network, such a powerful group of people, but not when we can't get exactly, exactly.
1: Yeah. And networks of support are so important. And I would I would I would love to continue that or if anyone listening to this is interested in in the Canadian context, connect with them through Fenster or No Silence on Race um, or PRISM, because uh, we do need communities. As I said, it was like the first It was the first real jewish community i felt oh these are this is my home right and that was in my 40s and it meant so much to me yeah
0: and i i really understand that because for a good chunk of my life i felt alone you know this this unicorn I guess maybe not a unicorn because you're here too and unicorns are very rare. We're not so rare, but we are kind of unicorns. <laughs> were, you, were you trying to straddle both worlds and be part of – that was for me, trying to straddle both worlds, be yeah. part of both worlds. Um, you know, the my, my Afro-Caribbean, because my background is Jamaican, get it but don't get it the Jewish, get it, but don't get it. And it was, you know, so you just kind of figured that you were just kind of, aside from family, you were just kind of navigating this by yourself. And when you, when I started to
1: find other Jews of color, it was like, oh, okay. Where and when did you first find that sense of community for yourself? I found that sense of community when I was
0: okay so hold on not that long ago so we're talking around 2000 2010 ish 2000 around like 9 2010 and so how many years ago is that we're going to force rivka to do math uh, <laughs> which i do like but so we're talking my 40s yeah
1: same it's so interesting that both of us found that quite a lot later mm-hmm. in life. Mm-hmm. Just kind of just floated around before that, right?
0: But then I think I think if I think I don't I I don't know about you, but I think finding it later in life, I was more prepared to take it on and take on the challenges and take on the trying to fix it, for lack of a better word. I think I was stronger in my 40s than I would have been in my 20s. In my 20s, I was distracted by other stuff and it was easier for me to give up trying to join the community because I had other things. So it was like, okay, whatever, you know, you don't want me. Okay, fine. I'm raising children. See ya, you know, (laughs) that kind of thing or building my career. Right. But, um, it it is a thing.
1: And and we I'm asking you, I'm sorry, I'm like throwing questions back. No, that's me, okay. We're, we're having done. a conversation,
0: <laughs> not an interrogation, <laughs> I hope. <laughs>
1: True. Not, a, not at all. I, I feel like because I never grew up going to Temple, I've always wondered, oh, if I was, which one would I join? And I, I actually don't know enough about kind of the Toronto options in terms of synagogues, especially as a Jew of color, that would feel the most home to me. And I just wondered... How you navigated that space in your 40s, or where you eventually found community?
0: <laughs> I was a synagogue hopper. I think because because of the skin that I walk in, I'm I I have a natural heightened sensitivity to how I'm perceived because I know when I walk in the room, the first thing people see is not Rivka, it's Rivka the black girl, mm. and. So if I would go to a particular synagogue and I didn't get a Shabbat Shalom and I got instead, um, you know, one of my favorites was, do you know where you are? No, I have no clue. Or um, are you Jewish? How are you? Like all these questions that preceded Shabbat Shalom. And if I didn't feel that welcoming or forget welcoming courtesy, (laughs) like just Mm. politeness, I wouldn't go there again. Mm. And I did stay at one synagogue for a bit, my kids went to the Hebrew school there. But after a while too, it it was just exhausting, like exhausting having to explain why you belong. And so Mm. then I eventually left there too. Um, It took going to Israel. It actually took going to Israel in 2012 to feel comfortable in the skin I'm in and to realize that the community is far more diverse than what it was in my home city.
1: Wow. Yes.
0: Yeah. Um, and then I came back with like a fire, with a fire. And there was some space in between me leaving the Toronto community And going to Israel. So there was a space where I was just like. No connection. Except for a little bit of volunteering. And that was it. And so when I came back. I said no we have to do better.
1: And where did you find that? I still. Still (laughs) I still have it.
0: But for other reasons. I think because I work. I work in a religious institution. I work in a synagogue. And I think because of that. It's like. So I also want to now go to a synagogue because it has a different feel. And I and there are other challenges on that side that um, are interesting, but I'm still there. So clearly I'm navigating it and I'm
1: okay most
0: days, yeah. most days.
1: Thank you for saying that. It's <laughs> like, it's, 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 as someone who also kind of never necessarily found that home in a religious institution, it's... Uh, it's nice to hear other people, I mean, not nice, but good yeah. to hear other people.
0: And what were what were your challenges around that? Just, I,
1: I guess I never really was raised in it because of my parents' lack of being more spiritual right. and not super religious. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when I wanted to find it later in life, I I don't know, I guess I just felt like I'm, I really don't know where that home is, which is why Prism played such a big role. And, and you know, Kendall's pastorship as just a friend to yeah. me actually felt much more resonant than looking for a synagogue. But I'd be really open and interested to know what exists. It's just uh, mm-hmm. I didn't grow up with it.
0: Yeah, no, and I understand that, too, because basically a religious myself, and it was because of my kids that I thought, let me connect. But I think what is so wonderful about the work that you do and tagging off of what you just said we also need to understand and i think because be going to synagogue belonging to a synagogue seems to be a marker for for doing jewish and it's mm. nice that the work that you do really highlights that there are other ways to immerse yourself in Find exactly exactly yeah, that is also 100%. jewish it does not have to be a synagogue
1: no totally not and and that's i'm again like i'm going to stop thinking but like i'm very thankful to evelyn and fenster and sarah and no silence on race because and Kendell and carmel because and and uh you know for 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 bringing that together in the space of culture absolutely absolutely
0: and that, yeah and i hear you on that so what's up next for you i know you're working on the book and you seem to be yeah. crazy busy, but I, I don't know why I feel that you can probably squeeze in other things, too. You know why? Because you're super chill. And usually super chill people <laughs> are really actually very busy.
1: <laughs> I, I am very busy, and I like being super chill. I mean, um, post the museum, I've actually been working for the first time in my life, which is both wonderful and scary as an independent <gasps> consultant of my own strategic firm and an independent curator, and so I have the pleasure now in the last year of working with multiple organizations across the country on programming, on strategy around culture shift, and I've never been my own entrepreneur. My parents are both entrepreneurs, and I'm in this spiritual journey of learning how to build my own mini space, and it's been wonderful. Yeah. So you're, yeah, your consulting work, that is, that is a huge step
0: that's it. so can you because there there may be people listening who are like ah i need yeah. her so tell me more about that specific oh, work name. yes and the name uh,
1: yeah it's um it, at the moment it's under it's under it's Daviani Saltzman's strategic you know cultural strategies and so easy it's, to it's find strategic work. <laughs> your name it's easy to find <laughs> and exactly and uh, i uh, i i've been a, a bit of a soft launch because it's new territory for me so Uh, It may have another name down the line, but at the moment, people have just been finding me through networks and past work. Um, And two of my most recent projects were PEN America in the United States, which is the world's largest um, organization for freedom of expression, has, um, has the U.S.'s biggest arts and ideas festival every year in New York and Los Angeles. And I've been one of their independent international curators last year and this year, bringing writers and thinkers to New York. So as a curator. I'm creating cultural programming for organizations. And on the strategy side, um, most recently I'm working with the um, Textile Museum of Canada, our national museum, to help them shape um, their first permanent collection gallery. So I'm doing strategy around programming for institutions as well as um, curating independently. And um, it's been really fun. That sounds exciting. And
0: the fact that you can it's your own thing. Like it's, you know, and it's your, your creativity in curating.
1: And, and I think that's, you know, when we talk about belonging, I, I mean, I think as humans, we want to belong to collective spaces and I very much do. And all, but there's also this amazing, you know, thing to build, to build your own house and work with many spaces, but, but also kind of own your own own your own time and creativity. So I really do believe in both.
0: That is absolutely wonderful. Well, thank you. You've given me some food for thought and I might be reaching out to you with some other questions and things that I have, especially around the work that you're doing with your consulting. Cause now my mind is like kind of like, Hmm, maybe I can use her in my other life. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. I would- I would love to learn more. There's nothing I like more than just collaborating yeah, with people. So like It gives me the greatest I, I think this is something that we
0: need to look into in creating good, safe, wonderful communities for Jews of color. And not just
1: Jews of color who are artistic, but Jews of color like me. So that, that would be... Fantastic. Even though I think you're artistic, but yes, <laughs> I totally... I, I think it's cross-sectoral. I think everything we're talking about actually applies whatever space you live and operate in. And uh, I I love the project of hopefully helping move spaces forward. Well,
0: thank you so much for coming on here as our guest. I really appreciated this conversation. And I am serious. You've given me some food for thought, um, some food for thought that will affect me personally and professionally. So I thank you so much. I look forward to your second book. And I don't believe anything you say about it being boring, aka nonfiction. (laughs) Highly doubt it. So I do look forward to it, because I think it's going to be some great learning for all of us. And so again, thank thank
1: you. you so much. Thank you, Rivka, and thank you for the time and space to have this conversation. And happy Hanukkah and happy holidays. Happy Hanukkah to you, too.
0: Thanks for listening to Rivkush. Our producer is Michael Freeman, Music by Westside Gravy and I am Rivkush. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can hear more at thecjn.ca slash Rivkush. And support us by subscribing. If you want to support the CJN, join the CJN Circle. You get quarterly magazines, invitations to live events, and a weekly printable edition. Learn more at thecjn.ca slash circle. Thanks for listening. The Dunfield Retirement Residence offers customized living options to complement your independent, active lifestyle. Welcome home. Welcome to the Dunfield. Visit us at thedunfield.com to book a personal tour.